I watch too many movies. I watch too much TV. Anything else to add? I'm head of HR. The world needs more robots. I still have a page of notes. I wasn't paying attention. Our lightning rail. No, I'm not ready. I'll just wing it. I'm in the zone. Roll for initiative. May the force be with you. Always. Classic. Whatever makes you a discerning The Discerning Geeks Portal. Welcome back, discerning listeners, to the Discerning Geeks Portal, where each week we take a discerning look into all things geek. My name is David, and I am here with my best friends, Todd, David, and Andrew. How's everybody doing this evening? Oh, pretty good. Good. I'm running for president. Um, You're going to have to wait a couple years. I don't care. I'm running for president. Well, if you got started now, you you might have a chance when you're finally old enough to actually run. Yep, everyone's going to vote for me because I'm cool. We've got 21 years to prepare. That's right. (laughs) And with our financial situation, it would probably take 21 years for us to get to the point where you could actually afford to put your name on the ballot. That's true. That's true. It's a million dollars. It takes a million dollars to put your name on the ballot. Really? Yep. Uh, Ouch. Yep. Now, I think that's the national ballot. So you would actually show up in all 50 states. I, think. I was going to say, actually, no, I think each state has its own criteria for getting on the ballot for it each might state. Be. So but you I have know, like certain. I do know it's minimum of a million dollars to put your name on the ballot. Yeah, you'll have like certain amounts that you have to fundraise, certain amount of people that you have to have sign off and things like that in order to get your name on, the, on each state. Because there's been a lot of candidates who kind of didn't end up being on one state or more ballots when the election finally came. Well, but let's, let's avoid politics. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, Welcome to election talk. Yeah. It's, it's um, not even, it's not even time for an election. Actually, today is election day. It is election day. Yeah. Yeah. Today is election day, but it's an odd number of years. So I think it only counts for certain municipal races in certain areas. I don't think there are any national or maybe not even state There's level races, at least not ours. I don't think. Two gubernatorial candidates, um, Virginia and New York, I think. New York or New Jersey. One of, I think there's like only two like major races that are kind of in this election cycle. So yeah, it's it's a pretty slack year. Yeah, um, next year next year's when it's the whole usually it's next halfway year's the through big, yeah. the president's term is when the major when you'll see a major group of either senators and or house people have to run for re-election. Yeah, there'll be a whole bunch of them next year that decide the the balance of power in Congress. And uh like anybody cares, because if the actual American people would take back their power, we wouldn't have half the problems we did. But like I said, I'm, I'm going to get off the soapbox because most people are just going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to vote for that person. Why? Because I know who they are. But the good news is that's tomorrow, which kind of leads us to our topic tonight. Todd, tell them what we're talking about. Yes, we are reviewing the movie Tomorrowland. A high school prodigy, a reclusive inventor, and the animatronic talent scout that seeks them out must save the Earth from a cataclysmic near future by returning to Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland is a parallel universe run by scientists free of bureaucracy and economic constraints, and it holds the clues and hopeful solutions to Earth's impending doom. 
Dun, dun, dun. Tomorrowland is starring George Clooney as Frank Walker, a character that is 16 years older than the actor is. Britt Robertson as Casey Newton, a character who is seven years younger than the actress is. <laughs> Raffi, Raffi Cassidy as Athena. Hugh Laurie as David Nix, and Hugh Laurie is, of course, from the TV show House MD. Country singer Tim McGraw, Judy Greer, and Pierce Gagnon as Eddie, Jenny, and Nate Newton, Casey's dad, mom, and brother. Catherine Hahn as Ursula, and, of course, Catherine Hahn is from the TV show WandaVision. Keenan Michael Key as Hugo Gernsback. And then within just a few minutes of the movie, three people making cameos who have a history being in the Stargate TV shows. You've got David Nickel playing Casey's science teacher. He played Dr. Radek Zelenka, a scientist from the Czech Republic in 54 episodes of Stargate Atlantis. He also played Anatoly Knezev in 36 episodes of Arrow. I did not pronounce that right at all. Please please do that again. Anatoly Knezev. 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 My apologies to our Russian listeners. Uh, Paul McGillian as Casey's English teacher. He played Dr. Carson Beckett, a Scottish medical doctor in 62 episodes of Stargate Atlantis. I've seen him a few times at Dragon Con. Also, Jerry, uh, excuse me, Gary Chalk. He played the jail desk jockey. He also played Russian Colonel Chekhov in 10 episodes of Stargate SG-1. And he's also been a Dragon Con at least once. Tomorrowland was released on May 22nd, 2015, with a rating of PG, which kind of surprised me. For some reason, I thought this was PG-13, but Dave, you mentioned last week that it's PG and you could watch it with the kids. So I'm kind of curious what the kid perspective was on this. It was co-written by David, or excuse me, Damon Lindelof and Brad Bird. Damon Lindelof is probably best known for being a co-showrunner of the TV show Lost, which I kind of have mixed feelings about. He also co-wrote Cowboys and Aliens, Prometheus, and Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, and then it was directed by Brad Bird, one of the co-writers, uh, while he also directed a Mission Impossible movie, the fourth one called Ghost Protocol. He's probably best known as one of the creative team members of Pixar, where he was the writer and director of Ratatouille, The Incredibles 1 and 2, and the short film Jack Jack Attack. Where can you find Tomorrowland? Unfortunately, at the moment, it's not on any streaming subscriptions. So you'll have to either purchase or rent it. But that's at the usual places like Apple and Google and Amazon and stuff like that. And I can't remember which streaming service it is, but I think it is supposed to return to a streaming service in mid-November. And I, I tried to look right before we started recording. I couldn't find it real quick. So I don't know whether it's Amazon, HBO Max, whether it's actually going to Disney Plus, because oddly enough, it is a Disney movie, but for some reason, it isn't there right now. But if you want to wait till it comes to a subscription, maybe wait a week or two. But if not, you'll just have to buy it. Right yeah. Based on the Disney World ride or attraction, I guess. Theme land. Yeah. Yeah, it's not because it's not exactly a ride. It's more of a an attraction there at Disney World, um, kind of following in that those footsteps of Pirates of the Caribbean, and now we have the Jungle Cruise, um, those movies that are kind of based on their attractions in their theme park. We have Tomorrowland, and it's supposed to be kind of giving us a glimpse of this future and a story along with it. Um, what's the initial reactions on this one? 
Pick me, pick me, pick me. All right, Andrew, go for I, it. I don't want to go first. Pick Dave. <laughs> I didn't watch it. That's how I feel about this movie. So basically, it's not that I didn't want to watch it. It was just I never got around to it. I couldn't get over the stupid fact that the coin was just breaking every law I had. It's not a coin. It's about a logic in my head. A it was Okay. Because yeah, it it's like, oh yeah, you know, you can only like see it, and you can still interact with stuff from like where you came from. But also, you can get on that train thing. What the hell happens there? Does does she just float away? Yeah, evidently, because there was that one scene where she was like in the car and they were driving, and and she somehow gets teleported to the the field, and she's just sitting. She looks like she's sitting in a car driving, but she's in the other world. Does that yeah, I think he was talking about the the small scene where it was the reverse, and she's actually sees that she's on a train. But does that would that mean that she was actually moving in real life or not? And to me, it's, it's virtual reality, right? So you can feel like you're moving and and feel like you're on a train and still be standing in one spot. It's just virtual reality is all that's mm-hmm. demonstrating, right? Um, and like virtual reality, if you're not careful interacting with your environment that you're not seeing the actual environment that you're in um you can get some pretty funny results watch some youtube videos where people do this and they fall downstairs or they break their tv because they're swinging around and not cognizant of the environment that they're in even though they can't see it because they're watching the things in the goggles or people Um, looking at their phones so long that they walk in front of a bus right yeah Um, did that once so that so so you just couldn't get past that point, and, and so it kind of lost you. Um, yeah. What about, and Dave, you've seen this in the past. You didn't rewatch it, but uh, what's what's your kind of initial feelings? Um, I'm trying to remember most of it. That's the reason I was hoping you guys would just talk about it for a while. If I remember correctly, the the film was was pretty fun to kind of watch, and uh, it was an interesting concept, but it is a little confusing, the whole, like, duality world thing, where somehow these scientists are, have all somehow shifted into a pocket universe and done all these great, wonderful, amazing things, and yet are still pretty much like, oh, the old Earth, <laughs> screw them. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's you're kind of like, wow, thanks, I guess. So... What about you, Todd? Well, overall, I think it was a good, fun, and enjoyable movie. And it is it even has kind of a good lesson and a powerful final image. But I think it's a little bit shorter greatness and isn't as good as my first time viewing it years ago because of a somewhat meandering plot, a few ideas that don't quite survive a deeper scrutiny, and, and Andrew's already listed one of them, and that it doesn't give us quite enough of what the movie is actually named after. I kind of like the way Dave said it. I mean, to me, it's a fun watch. It's kind of a neat concept. It's a fun movie. It's interesting because on some levels, it does have this deep philosophy that's attached to it. But at the same time, they try to only stay on the surface of that philosophy. They Mm -hmm. never try to really get very deep into it. And and there's this really heavy premise about kind of, you know, the direction that the world could go. And that's the main focus. And yet 
most of the time they just like to to stay right on the surface and not get very deep into it because i don't know i guess they felt like that would be too difficult for people i don't know it, it just it very much stayed very surface and like you said the plot it does it kind of meanders it's a little all over the place at times and there's some fun scenes and there's some neat things you know i did watch it with the girls they enjoyed it but that being said too there were times when they were kind of caught off guard by the suddenness of some of the scenes and and some of the ways things went um and not that it didn't not that it didn't it messed up their enjoyment of it but there were times i kind of had to explain one of the biggest scenes and and just for all of our listeners, we always try to uh, mention that we do have spoilers. So spoilers, if you've never seen this movie, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the plot and some of the very specifics. And and so you'll get some spoilers. But there's a, the scene where Athena, the robot, steps in front of a truck and just wham, like, you know, out of the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. And Josie's like, oh, is she okay? Uh, and I kind of <laughs> had to explain to her, you know, no, she's a robot. You know, she's not a real person. So it's okay that she, you know, that that happened. But for a three-year-old, okay. that's a little shocking. You know, here's yeah. a girl standing in the middle of the road. Blah! You know. And, <laughs> and Why did she so, step in front of the bus again? She was kind of arguing with the other um, character and steps in the road and just here comes a big truck and just runs right yeah runs right into her um and yes, it's a uh, robot so sweetie please do not step in front of vehicles yes yeah you would, you, would somebody <laughs> you, you will that. not survive mm-hmm. um so there were some elements like that that were a little shocking and and kind of took a little explanation to the three-year-old because to her she's trying to figure out you know why is this a girl is what is this you know person and why they kind of had some of these abilities that are not normal for us adults it's kind of obvious that she's a robot at that point but it it was very subtle for for the for the kids so i didn't Uh, notice i think that was a big twist besides the fact she didn't age are you saying i'm not an adult huh (laughs) are you calling me immature uh, that's another debate. I, I think yeah. I think my biggest problem with it is the is, is like Dave said the whole philosophy thing of it is is you have these these scientists that want to build this this better world for I guess all of humanity, but yet it's lip service because they have created all these things that could better humanity, but yet they've never once brought it to humanity. And I know that there's like supposedly antagonists that are trying to keep this away because they kind of control how things are, are going on the earth and they're going the way they want them to go. But yet nobody's, nobody's tried. Like nobody, it's like you have all this, you have all this great, wonderful inventions and, and you have space travel where people are just taking vacations 20 light years away and blah, 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 and things like that. But yet nobody's, nobody's doing this. Nobody's bringing it to the, to the populace. It's, it's just all, it's basically like a group of people got together, formed a pocket universe, went to that universe, created the entire world of Star Trek, and then enveloped their, their own philosophy into the prime directive that also included their own people. I'm not sure if it wasn't trying to be a shot at Atlas Shrugged. Um, you know, the, there's a subplot in Atlas Shrugged for those who aren't familiar where all the, the brilliant thinkers and scientists and doers, um, are kind of whisked away to a, a private location and they disappear from the earth 
And what happens then is, you know, in those countries and places where they're not there, everything stagnates and, and becomes a problem. The goal is later for these this collective to be able to do good things. Um, but I think this was kind of a stab at, you know, sometimes that collective can also do bad things and kind of pushing back on on some of that. One of my favorite quotes in this movie happens pretty close to the beginning, and it's been used in a couple of movies and, and is an old Indian saying, right? Um, and the girl kind of mentions it to her father. It's inside each of us, there are two wolves and they're constantly fighting. You know, one is darkness and despair and the other is light and hope. And on any given day, which one wins? then the answer is whichever one you feed. So if you feed the dark and despair kind, it's going to win in you each day. If you feed the light and hope, it will overcome the dark and despair. And that's kind of in, in each of us, you know, what's going on. And that was the theme of this movie, which who's going to win the dark and the despair or the hope and the light as this is, this fight is going on in, all the people in all the world at the given time. And yeah, we learn kind of that in this alternate pocket universe kind of world dimension that, that these people are in and the tomorrow land that they have created a device that's kind of influencing that and, and causing a lot of the problems and that the world is coming to an end in what, like 55 days. And so we then have this struggle to to overcome it. Now, that being said, there are some cool elements, right? I mean, the animatronics and robot kind of things I thought were pretty cool. The um, vacuum cleaner jetpack. The vacuum cleaner jetpack was awesome. And I liked it when he first got you know, uh, George Clooney's character when he's young and he first gets to Tomorrowland. You know, he kind of is there and one of the robots comes up and actually fixes his jetpack to where it works perfectly um, and he's able to fly around. I think that was a, a fun scene and, and really cool. And of course, he had to go through um, the ride that would be in Disneyland. Uh, the It's a small world. You know? <laughs> and yeah. everybody who's been to Disneyland or Disney World. And, and been through this ride, you know, knows this ride because it's they sing the song incessantly the whole time you're there. And so you come out of It's a Small World with this song drumming in your head. And that's how they get to the, tomorrow. The trouble is, is technically there is a point of order to be set uh -huh. at the World's Fair. It was not a boat ride. You just walked through it. It was only a boat ride till I got to Disney World or Disneyland. See, I didn't even know if it was in the World's Fair or not. I was kind of like, I'm, I'm not even sure if it was at the World's Fair, but I think that it was. But unfortunately, but it was not a boat ride because it was it was the World's Fair, so everybody moved all their stuff there, and and so you you walked through it. You didn't actually ride through it. It wasn't until it actually got to the park that it actually became a boat ride. Which personally, I have to say, I'm very disappointed that we don't have World Fairs like this anymore. I mean, it just kind of upsets me. Well, I I've been love to a to World one. Fair. I went to the World Fair in Knoxville. Nice. And I, I think I still have my book. And yes, it, it basically think of the reason is, is because you have places like Epcot. Right. Uh, where that is the World Fair now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it's the reason why you should always check uh, Epcot Center if you decide that you're going because the um, 
I forgot what the, the big ball is. It actually has a name and I've forgotten what it is, but the buildings that surround that are, they're constantly changing. And it's it's all technological advancement stuff that they're displaying, usually in a in a in a kind of fun way, uh, either with uh, rides or games or something along those lines. And then, you, of course, you have the the actual worlds going around the backside, um, and that's basically a World's Fair. Because when we went, it was the same kind of thing. You had all these pavilions, you had all these places where you could experience Germany or you could experience Japan or, or what have you, but you also saw all these kind of technological advancements uh here's the new stuff coming out oh god i think it was 88 was it 88 i think it was 88 it was either 88 or 83 anyway it was in knoxville tennessee the ball is still there the 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 golden ball that that was like the the sun spear i think is what it was called uh that was the middle of the of the world's fair it's still there as far as i know it's still a restaurant we actually ate in it the thing spun spun around when you ate it was the greatest food ever i can't believe it i mean it was expensive as hell but it was great stuff but we were up there um and what was great about it that i remember being a kid was when we were up there eating the fireworks show went off and it's you're basically on level you were basically on the same level as the fireworks going off as you're eating so it's one of those memories that'll just always stay in my head. But yeah, if you ever drive to, to Knoxville, Tennessee, you can still see the Sun Spear. Uh, it's still there and where the uh, World's Fair was. In fact, the, the World's Fair now is a park mm-hmm. and it's it's still the whole grass and everything of, of what it was. But it, it's basically Epcot. And, and so I don't know if maybe that's why, but I don't know. It, the World's Fair may still be going on. And we just don't know it because it well, does move around. Technically, I kind of looked, and from what I can gather, they still do have them, but they, they're they not what they were. You know, the World's Fair, back when you went, and, and especially when you were going back to the 60s and 70s, you know, they were all the people getting together um, and showing off all these technology technological advances you know oh this is the car of the future the house of the future you know this is what we think a robot's going to look like that's going to clean your house and things like that and and it's become more industrial where it's now like only businesses kind of go and it's more where businesses share ideas and it's not really open to the public for people to go and experience all these things, which I think is a letdown because, I mean, that was part of the glory of kind of 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, coming through all these technological advances, you know, and being able to see them. I can can remember all the old 70s and 80s TV shows, you know, they always showed these – houses of the future you know oh it's a self-cleaning oven and you know robot hands would come out and clean the inside (laughs) especially when they were in cartoons and it was nothing like what we kind of envision that now um looking back they were very corny and oh well of course that's what not yeah what it would look like uh self-propelled vacuums and we now have robots that do vacuum floors but you know that's uh I don't, I don't, we don't have that. And, and that kind of lets, that, that makes me sad that, you know, I don't feel like I have a place I can take my kids and they can see, you know, here's a lot of opportunities and, and advancements and what we're thinking the future is going to look like. That's a lament that I have, not a whole lot to do with this movie. 
Um, but what did you guys think of that that plot? The, the especially the the darkness fighting the the light and and what that meant for going forward. What did you guys feel about that? Was that deep enough for you, or did you kind of feel like me that they just kind of skimmed the surface of that? Todd, you had said a whole lot. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. What plot? <laughs> it was so bland, like and basic. I couldn't even. Oh, there's a bad guy. That's it. Good guy becomes bad guy, and then they fight, and then that's basically it. Like, they had all this potential. So basic. Okay. Andrew is not happy with this film, evidently. No, no, I'm not. Mm. He hardly got to watch it because he had Josie on his lap doing somersaults and flips most of the time. So, well, you know, that's that's understandable. If I was lucky, she was on the floor, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure that there was much paying attention to the plot. <laughs> it was more of, can I survive her not kicking me in the head, you know? And then there the was flip. also Eva standing directly in front of the TV. In front of, yeah. Yeah. Every like 10 minutes, she would come and, and camp out for about five minutes right in front of the TV, you know? Um, so yeah, there, there's that. This is welcome to my world of trying to watch these movies and do a review on them. <laughs> oh goodness. Todd, what about you? Well, I'll get to your question in a minute, but just to give you a few more good things, since we're already kind of complaining a little bit, but a couple of us already said we kind of like the movie and yet we're getting the negatives already. Uh, the movie kind of opens up with uh, the Disney Castle logo is replaced by the futuristic city that looks like Tomorrowland. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, we get a look at Tomorrowland pretty early in the movie and it's designed very well. The, the first part of the movie almost felt like it was directed by Steven Spielberg. I don't know if anybody else felt like that, but it had that kind of wonder and whimsy to it. Uh, so it kind of felt like one of his movies. And then there was even that one scene kind of near the middle of the movie where we got that retro shop that was full of old memorabilia in it, especially from a lot of science fiction stuff. And I thought that was kind of cool. In fact, I would like to have gotten a little bit more of that. And then, of course, we've already mentioned the girl robot, Athena, some and I thought she was really cool, and I, I especially liked that she had a task to fulfill and that she was very skilled at doing so. To get back to your question, I did feel kind of like you that yes, this movie did have a, a nice message to it, but like you, I, I feel like it may not have totally, totally fulfilled it or carried through with it. It's kind of like we get that one lecture from. Hugh Laurie's character, and then there's the whole thing about trying to stop the future, the bad future from happening, and the, they kind of touch on the thing about how uh, the Casey character, just by having a positive attitude, she's supposed to turn things around, and then one of the things that I count as one of the great things in the movie is that final scene of people arriving and and showing potential for the future and to turn things around. At the same time, I also kind has some built-in nitpicks with that last scene so it's kind of like I, it, it's kind of nice but kind of a little bit wonky too and then dave i think you mentioned uh one of the quotes and i thought you were going to mention this but uh, i i wrote down something different and in fact i didn't write it down at first but then when i was looking for stuff on imdb i i found this this quote and it's actually kind of a dialogue between three different characters and i thought oh, okay fine i'll copy and paste it it's kind of neat maybe a little bit on the corny side but it's a flashback to where the casey character is younger and her dad says why do you love the stars so much casey and young casey says because i want to go there and then the father says but it's so far away and then the mother says it'll take a long time a real long time what if you get all the way there and there's nothing there and then young casey says 
what if there's everything? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the positive attitude that we're supposed to interpret from her character and that is supposed to carry some of the better parts of the movie. But I think I can also, I mean, I'm not sure I want to totally steer back into negatives again already, but just to say that I understand Andrew's point of view, I do get how despite all this positive stuff, it feels like a lot of the movie is just getting back to Tomorrowland and not about Tomorrowland. Yeah, you mentioned some good things. I think where this movie shines, in it's in those moments where we kind of have that nostalgia of the the retro of what people kind of in the past looking forward felt, and not so much in the present as they were looking forward. And so you have those scenes kind of at the beginning where, you know, he first gets to Tomorrowland and you have those scenes, like you said, kind of in the middle where they're in the shop and you get all the retro stuff. And I would even kind of add uh, a very, very brief and, and sadly not long enough scene where they're in the Eiffel tower. And, and, and there's these kind of cool retro where you get caught up in the retro looking forward and, and that feeling of the nostalgia of the past and, and that positivity going forward. But it seems to, to drag down a little bit with so much negativity of the present looking forward. There's a whole lot of let's get back to Tomorrowland. And during it, there's some fun stuff. There's, there's some moments where it's, you know, George Clooney's character and, and the, the girl, getting one up on each other in a way, trying to to kind of outdo each other and they're, and they're fun, but it also didn't feel like it moved the plot along very fast. <laughs> you know, you kind of no. felt like you were kind of, well, that was cool. And that was, you know, but it didn't really get us very far. So, so I could definitely see that. Uh, what else? What are, what are the positives? Cause we do want to, you know, We'll flip over and flip the switch and get into our nitpicks and negatives. But what other positives do we have in this? Did anybody have a favorite character besides Athena? I mean, Athena was cool. The old guy that was talking with the two little girls. I liked him. The old guy. Joe Biden? (laughs) (laughs) We can't say that. We can't say that. Dave. You old? said old guy talking to two little girls. I'm oh, just asking. Oh, no. Uh, can we censor that? The, the old guy talking to two? You got to be more specific. I'm, I'm, yeah. Is narr- he played narr- by George Clooney? Okay, yes. The, oh, that yeah. guy. Okay. <laughs> Frank. <Yeah. laughs> Does no one character. find it strange that it, half of the movie, old guy, two little girls just hanging out, even though they never. No, no, no. One little girl. The other one's a robot. Right. Oh yeah, the old guy and the little girl were just like casually flirting with each other. Which yeah. sounds creepier, doesn't it? Old guy, two little girls sound bad enough, but old guy talking to one little girl with a robot sounds worse, doesn't it? <laughs> and, well, and especially they do when insinuate. You, yeah, yeah I was going to say essentially when you get into the subplot of that, there that was one of the things that he was upset about was he ended up developing a crush on Athena before he knew she was a robot. Um, cause he just thought she was a girl and, you know, as he's going to Tomorrowland and getting to invent stuff and do all the fun things, she's right there by his side. And we do kind of, in a way, find out at the very end that she technically as a robot had feelings for him too. So yeah, that, that, that was a little weird. 
<laughs> not really sure what the <laughs> well you know she she can at least upgrade so um that, that was kind of weird they can always make a bigger robot and just upload her <laughs> um you know i did like her sacrifice at the end you know i thought that was that was meaningful and good but it also wasn't done in a way where it was like tearjerker you know mm. where you're like so wrapped up in the character that you're like really really feeling the loss it, it kind of felt more just uh, on the again on the surface you know it's like oh that was sweet she, she you know kind of sacrificed herself to, to bring down the the tower and save the day but in, in the end you know it it didn't feel as deep as it should have had they gone a little deeper with some I, of the I, I'll things. agree with that. I'll agree with that. But at the same time, at least they stuck with it. They had the bravery to say she really did sacrifice herself and yep. there's not another robot clone of her and they're just going to revive that clone. And all of a sudden, hey, Athena's back. They could have done that and they, they chose not to. So her sacrifice was permanent. So they, they at least had the guts to do that. I will I will say that too because yeah how many off how many times in almost every other sci-fi it's like oh she sacrificed herself the robot sacrificed themselves but that's okay I have their hard drive and all I have to do is stick it in a computer and we have them again um, Star Star Trek Picard yeah <laughs> um, so that that does get overused and it was like like you said that that was it takes guts not to do oh. that. Okay, I'm back. I don't know what was where it was going because I could hear you guys, but apparently that's fine. Um, well, what else? What else? I, well, I've got one moment that I liked, but for a really weird reason. Um, I can appreciate the moment that Casey excessively beats an evil robot with her baseball bat because way too many times <laughs> in movies, characters hit an enemy or shoot or stab an enemy only once or maybe twice for them to not stay down. And technically this robot still didn't stay down, but at least she tried. I mean, she beat until, until uh, what's his name? Uh, Frank had to like grab her and say, okay, that's, that's enough. Yeah. You got it. Which technically she still didn't, but at least she tried. And there are way too many times where in a movie, somebody was hit somebody once is like, ah, that'll do. And it doesn't. And at least she tries. She beat him like dozens of times. And I was like, yeah, keep going, keep going. He's a robot. It's not like you're hitting a real person. It's, it's it's the double tap problem. It's it's the reason why a lot of military people like sometimes don't go see action movies because they'll watch somebody like shoot someone and then they'll be like you 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 just shot him once. What? No, it's it's double tap two in the chest, one in the head, two in the chest, one in the head, and and it's like it's like of course the guy got up and came back. Of course he did because you only shot him once. You know. Now, granted, yes, most of the time in real life, you know. You know, if you get shot with one bullet, it don't really matter if 35 more come after it, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's still one of those where you have to realize this is Hollywood. So it's like, yeah, you can't just shoot something once, you know, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, you, you, you beat him till he don't move. Yeah. yeah that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and so that's like one of the last specific things I have. And then just to say one broad thing, cause I know we keep kind of going into the negatives, even though we're kind of in the positive is just to say that in general, despite all of our nitpicks that we have and that we're probably about to dig deeper into, I did enjoy the characters. The characters are good and the performances are good. So it, there's definitely some good stuff here. I do have one question and I think Todd, you're the only one that can answer it. And I'm not even sure. No, I can. 
because I'm president or <laughs> going to be president. Todd, I know you've been to London quite a couple of times Three. and you've been to Europe, you know, especially when you were in college. Did you get to go to the Eiffel Tower when you were in? I was in Europe. No. Oh, that's right. You did go to Europe. Did you go to the I Eiffel worked, Tower? I worked. I was in Amsterdam and worked in Norway and Ireland. That's right. I forgot about that. Jesus. Needless to say, I've not been to Europe. Nobody's been to the Eiffel Tower. Uh, no, I've never been to France. Never yeah, been I've France. never been to France. Okay. I'm um, never going to go over there. Do that however, I, I do hope that if we ever eventually get to it, one of our other historical road trips will be to, like, Normandy, et cetera, and so forth. Do the, yeah. Yeah, do um, the World War II thing. I, I thought the, the Eiffel Tower scene was cool, but I'm not sure how kind of based. I know that they're technically, you know, the senior Eiffel who built the Eiffel Tower did have an apartment in the mm-hmm. top of the Eiffel Tower and my understanding is that it is like kind of open to the public now I think where people can view it um, I don't know that it has these figures of the, you know kind of that were portrayed in the movie of you know Tesla and Edison and Eiffel um, I'm not sure I just was kind of curious if those figures were like actually there if it was staged kind of like that or not I just didn't know um, well, I, I was curious about that too and I'm not an expert on it because I only did a Google search but just from what little I was able to find I get the impression the same thing as you that it was not open to the public there for a while and is now I'm not sure it's so open that you can actually walk in it I think it's one of the things where you can kind of walk near it and like look through a window and, and see what's in there and I think it does have two of the mannequins I think Eiffel and one of the person I, I can't remember if it's Edison or whatever so you know in the movie there are four of them I think there are two of them up there in real life I okay. think that's good to know because I did th- I felt that was a cool scene you know now it gets a little far-fetched when they launch a rocket out of it but you mm-hmm. know <laughs> that's another thing I can check off my list yeah <laughs> so um yeah, let's go ahead and, and get into those those more serious nitpicks and, and negatives, because um, yeah, that was a little <laughs> that, that was a little far fetched with with the um, Eiffel Tower being a, a rocket launching platform. Um, well, and not only because of the far fetchedness of there being a rocket hiding underneath the Eiffel Tower that you think surely somebody would know about, but also. We talked a little bit about the pacing and about the plot being a little bit meandering. They go to all this trouble to get to climb into this hatch that is supposed to be some kind of portal to somewhere. And instead of it being a portal to Tomorrowland, it's a portal to the Eiffel Tower. And then from the Eiffel Tower, that's where you've got to catch a rocket. And the rocket is supposed to go up and then it's supposed to go back down. And as it's going back down, that's what gets you to Tomorrowland. It's just too many steps. Right. Seems excessive. And in a way, the rocket was... Like, I don't know, it just seemed like a weird way to get there. I mean, you mm-hmm. mentioned it. You, the first step is you get into this thing that's basically a teleporter to teleport from, you know, there to France. Why not have the teleporter take you directly to Tomorrowland? That seems like that would be an easier step and, mm-hmm. and more based on the futuristic kind of things that they were, were going for. But instead, yeah, you teleport to to uh, to Paris, and then you get on a rocket in the Eiffel Tower and launch up into space and turn around. And hey, look, the French don't have much. Give them this. What do you mean by that? 
Yeah. <laughs> then you fly okay. back through the earth to get to the other dimension uh, where you have Tomorrowland. Um, so that was that was a little weird and, and kind of convoluted in the way that they did it. Uh, I, and that being said, I kind of like the scene that they had in those few moments where they they were in the Eiffel Tower and especially in this room and kind of talking about things. But other than that, what other kind of nitpicks or, or, or negatives did we have? Andrew? I'm not sure the whole horde of aliens at the end of it that were attacking Tomorrowland should have fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a step too far, too. I just think that might have just been... I did not sure where it came from, and it was just like, what? And, I mean, like, then suddenly they have this shield, and, like, all these guys show up, and, like, one dude's, like, wearing a suit of armor, and then, like, this other god shows up. Wait, I'm getting my movies confused, aren't I? And, and then the Amazon warriors and the yeah, Merfolk, and I mean, you're like, what is, what is this, DC? Yeah, it's like... I mean, what's going on? You know, it's like, what, what kind of crazy mess is this? And, and and then they're all like, you know, we have to like hold them off until we, we get this weird jewel out of some guy's head. And I, I just, I mean, it didn't make any sense. It just came out of nowhere. When you fall asleep uh, and your streaming service is on autoplay for the next movie. <laughs> right. And you, and you wake up at the, at the bar, in, in, a, in a random Marvel movie. So I don't remember Tomorrowland having Iron Man in it, but hey, it makes sense. Um, well, Andrew, you've already mentioned the whole button pin thing. Do you want to run further with that or you want me to pick up that baton? Um, I don't know what else there's more to say. It just kind of doesn't like add up completely at all like even if it was virtual reality i just don't i don't see how this would like work or have any implications that would matter at all like why would someone make this just period well i think the purpose of it was to act like kind of like a holographic brochure of what the the promises and potential were of um tomorrowland i, I think george clooney's character described it as a big advertisement yeah so i get the purpose it's the method that is kind of wonky because uh, you already complained about it a little bit. It, it's like when you do touch the pen and you experience Tomorrowland, yes, it's virtual reality, but the the relative distances of things that are in the virtual reality match the virtual the real life distances of real life objects. So like if you touch the pen and you see that there's a tower a mile west, you've actually got to walk a mile west in real life to get to the imaginary tower that's in the virtual reality. And the problem with that is that in the course of using the pen, Casey um, in the real world ends up, hang on, where's that part of my notes? Okay. She bumps into walls. She freaks out in a moving vehicle. She embarrasses herself in public. She falls downstairs and she walks into a swamp. So, you're, they give they gave out several of these buttons to all kinds of people, and I'm kind of wondering, okay, how many of these people walked into traffic? How many yeah. of these people walked <laughs> off a cliff experiencing this virtual reality? And at the end of the movie, they're giving out these pins again to try to get people back into Tomorrowland for kind of a revived version of Tomorrowland. And I can't help but wonder, did they update the technology, or are they still using it? And if so... Are we going to run into all these problems again of people bumping into things and possibly falling and stuff like that? It just didn't seem very practical. It would almost be better if it really was just holography that was kind of in front of you, but you're still aware of what your environment is. And But it, it, yeah, there are just some things about it that didn't jive, but actually made it unsafe too. 
Yeah. How many potential candidates did they lose just because they, (laughs) wow, this is a great person. I gave them my pin splat. They ran into traffic. Oh man, I should have given them to them later. That was not a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and not only that, you you talk about giving it to them later when they do that thing at the, at the end of the movie where they are giving out those pins, they're giving them out really haphazard. Like one of them, they, they give it to a teacher, but instead of like putting it in the teacher's briefcase or something, they put it in the dust tray of the chalkboard where another student could have picked it up or they could have actually thrown it away. For somebody who is planting a tree, which I guess they were trying to insinuate that, you know, we want to be environmentally sound. So we want people who are who are doing that kind of thing but that may just be a person who's working for a yard service. But anyway, they're planting a tree and when they do it, they kind of throw it in the ground and they almost bury it with the roots of a tree. And I'm like, if they really, if it's really important to give these pins to people, they need to do it in such a way to where the people will actually notice it and get it and touch it. In fact, during the movie, there's a point where I can't remember how, Athena gets the pin to Casey, but then she goes back later as a follow-up to say, I kind of need to provide a little context. And I'm like, well, it might be a little too late. She's already bumping into walls and walking into swamps. So, you know, these pins probably ought to come with a little bit of instructions rather than just throwing it in a hole or in a chalk tray or something. Yeah. Somehow she puts it either on her helmet or with her helmet for her bike and then she doesn't see it until she gets arrested and then they're going through her stuff. And it's like, Oh yeah, now I need, now I didn't, this isn't mine. And so she didn't know where it came from, but yeah, they know that was, it was cute and it was funny, but very impractical and very, just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Isn't the, why you would try to do it that way. Just um, like this movie as a whole, you know, a, a, yeah, here's a card. Go to this website and take a virtual tour would probably do a lot better than <laughs> um, kind of what they were doing. And especially since they're trying to avert in a, a disaster, which is supposedly happening, a pro- I can't remember the exact time frame, but approximately 50 days from now, you think they would want to make extra sure that these people are getting their buttons and pins and using them and, and, and not chucking them or, or not noticing them well now at the end the people getting the pins there there is a, a brief moment where they talk about how that was past the 55 days they had already kind oh, of averted okay. that uh, okay, because okay. it took a while for them to get engineers over to rebuild the doorway kind of to get between the two worlds and um, and so it was, I think, 100 days or so in the future that, that they actually are going out and rebooting the program. So the program is kind of starting again from a, a clean slate without having to worry about the, the natural disaster, you know, or whatever, destroying the world. Um, what other what other nitpicks or, or negatives um, did we have? Uh, I got one. Okay. You know that bad guy? Yeah. They kind of like killed him. Yeah. Which was kind of mm-hmm. mean. Because, I mean, you well, can kind of see actually, where he's coming from. <laughs> did, did, did they actually kill him? Or did just, you know, part of the tower just fall on him and squish him? And it wasn't really their fault. <laughs> you know? I mean, that was Galileo. Uh, Galileo's fault. Can't can't talk. I mean, like Galileo. Towards Thank the you, last, Galileo. So, well, he didn't. Never mind. 
uh, towards the end, you could see between him and Pervy Guy, they were like they they were like fighting, but they were still like you know goofing off and like being friends. And then I see him like just straight up get killed off, and I was like, what? It like shocked me. Okay, because he's he some seemed like someone they would keep, and then they just kind of murdered him. Well, and I can't remember if I even have this written down, but one thing that was weird to me is he seemed to be taking the place of a villain, but I don't know. It's like they couldn't make up their mind. Yes, he was kind of sort of the bad guy because they needed a bad guy, but he wasn't terrible either. I mean, he was kind of running this place, but it it, it kind of makes you wonder, why was he still there? If he has accepted this, this bad fate, why why is he not like taking a vacation or, or doing something with his last days. Now there again, he's in, he's in a alternate reality. So I guess if the earth gets screwed, maybe he doesn't care, but it's also like, he's not doing anything to improve his own environment because uh, Tomorrowland itself was kind of in the, in major decline. I mean, it was almost dead. There was hardly anybody there. It almost reminded me of what somebody said about Littlefinger in the, uh, oh man, I've already forgotten. Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones, yeah. Where they said that he would see the world burn if he could be king of the ashes. It's almost like this guy didn't mind still being administrator of Tomorrowland, even though nothing was going on there because he was still in charge. So it's like it didn't matter that it was ashes as long as he was the king of the ashes. But that made him not a great character. Yeah, he, he the, the villain was a little rough. And that's that was definitely one of those areas where kind of the plot. And, and as we were watching the movie, it kind of lagged. They did insinuate, but I'm not sure that it actually came out, you know, very specifically that he, in the end, knew that this tower was causing the bad vibes and causing the world and and kind of knew that he, you know, that if he stopped it, it probably would stop. But he was okay with the earth kind of just burning and, and going away. Well, um, I mean, which why would does he care? up his evil, you know, level a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Why would he care? It's people. I mean, they did it to themselves. I mean, we're doing it right now as a society. Why should he care about other people in a different reality and see killing from, themselves off? See, this is why we need this movie. Andrew, we need to watch this movie again. <laughs> Because Andrew is of that popularity of that that mindset and and current generation where we're all killing ourselves off anyways. Why do we care? Why does anybody do anything? And which is the point of the movie, right? You have two wolves inside of you fighting every day. You know, one dark and despair, the other light and hope. Which one are you going to let win? Which one are you going to feed? Now, the, the outside world can feed some into that on its own, but uh, it's what we allow it to to influence and feed that it's the one that's going to win. So I can see the, the point, but yeah, the, the goal is let's have the light win versus the, the darkness and despair. Well, and that that kind of brings me a little bit to uh, my last nitpick that I don't think will fit in the lightning round. And that is about uh, Casey, about her part in this, because she's just a high school student. And yes, she might be bright for her age and stuff like that. I mean, they kind of insinuate that she's a good student, but they don't really dig deep into that and tell us just how good she is. I mean, is she just an outright genius? I don't think they address that. But um, 
but she's almost like a chosen one because she, when she goes to, to Andrew, you all right? Uh, yeah. So I'm a little <laughs> drunk. So I, I'm old. It's fine. Ended okay. up sneaking away with one of Dave's butterbuzz from the other day. I'm okay. Okay. All right. But, but anyway, she, um, she is kind of played up a little bit like a chosen one because when she encounters Frank, all she does is just says one little positive thing and his little monitor that says there's a hundred percent chance this disaster is going to happen goes down to 99%. And I thought, okay, are they going to play up what is so special about her? And then they get to Tomorrowland and basically her superpower is that she doesn't give up. And I'm not sure that they ever really explain it any better than that. She doesn't give up. And that is supposed to be what is supposed to help them survive and get past this thing. And I'm like, really, is she the only person on earth who doesn't give up? Is that the only reason that Casey picked her? And I'm or not Casey, but the, uh, Athena. And I'm thinking, couldn't Athena find an actual adult who's an actual scientist who's actually doing things or a politician who's actually got actual clout or something who also doesn't give up and maybe pick one of them to actually get something a, done? A politician that's got hope <laughs> and, and, and knows what he's doing. That's a good one, John. There, there might be a rare one here and there, but you know, but is a high school student really any better? No, no offense, Andrew, but I mean, even if she's got the positive attitude, she doesn't necessarily have the experience or the authority to back it up. That's what I'm saying. Something, somebody like a politician, yeah, even if they're they're, they're clouded with their own self interest, at least they've got some kind of authority to actually get something done. And yeah, I know you can make jokes about that too. That nothing ever gets done, but but some stuff does get done sometimes. Well, and what can a high school student do it just seems like that that to me is one of those other things in the movie that didn't quite add up yeah i mean i i'm i'm a real quick one to forgive that because very rarely is anything written where it's like oh look it's the person in power doing great things and i that's an interesting story it's like well they're the person in power they're supposed to be doing that and and this is a disney movie it's a Disney story. Uh, it's it's based on all those those stories that they're supposed to be. It's the kid taking the lead of making the change and doing the big things. So I'm I'm forgiving of those of that kind of thing. And I would adjust her superpower just a little bit from what you said, Todd. In that, I think her hope was such a shine that it also infected others and gave others hope. And, and I would say that that was her superpower because even Frank, who was pretty much, you know, when she first, you know, when we kind of reintroduced to him as, as an adult, he's just given up. He didn't care, you know? And, and so it's through his interactions with her that he begins to have hope again. Um, So her power is that, that hope can be infectious and that's okay. the that would be kind of what what spreads I that ripple she's a dumbass kid <laughs> we're getting uh, old you can tell we're getting old we're like why do they keep giving all this stupid stuff to these kids they're not gonna do anything they're just stupid kids <laughs> that's like entrusted andrew with something i mean head, we would never have a podcast i'm right here head full of mush <laughs> got no idea how the world actually works <laughs> 
them for good reason. Oh, you should stop being mean to people because me, 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 Joe Biden, me, 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 me. I'm going to vote with emotion as opposed to my intelligence. We're definitely getting old, but that's okay. Well, I'm sorry. Did I go off on a tangent there? Sorry. Let's get the lightning round. Let's do that. Yeah, we're we're there. We're gonna have to kind of fly because I just now looked at the time of our recording. Um, but yeah, we'll get the top of the screen. I've been watching it for an hour. Going, we're getting close. Let's get into the lightning round. It's a big number at the top. Keeps going up. Yeah, that thing. Super sound effects for the lightning round. Everybody needs to get their dice ready. No crow, no crow, Andrew. I did. I said, and let's right. roll for initiative. I got a six. fifteen. I got a twelve. You said fifteen, twelve, Andrew. I'm sorry, I didn't hear yours. Six, six, and Todd, you were eight. Yep. All right, so Dave, you're going to go lead us off. We'll end up with Andrew, so let's get started. Okay, Dave, are you ready? Sure. Okay, ready and go. If this movie was like the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> That's the rating section. Not the <laughs> then this Eiffel Tower would be like about three feet tall with like Christmas ornaments on it. It looks good. It's kind of fun, but you're just going to pack it in the closet and wait till next year. That's what I got. Four seconds. So it's a Charlie Brown Christmas tree? Yes. <laughs> That's a good example. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. That's all I got to say. Okay, so I get to go second. Okay, ready? I am. And go. So I'm going to wrap this up, my, my opinions on this. There was another quote, um, and I don't remember where it came, but it was, the quote is, it is hard to have ideas and easy to give up on them. Um, and this is just one of those motivational things that I think was a great point out of this movie. Um, follow the light, look for those positive things and encourage your fellow man and we can get out of these dark places that we sometimes find ourselves in as a society. What a load of crap. <laughs> what a load of crap. Okay. Sorry, right, one too many times I got bored. <laughs> All right, I guess I'm next. Okay, here we go. Ready and Go. It seems weird the movie got a PG rating considering an evil robot ruthlessly disintegrates three police officers. Later, another evil robot disintegrates an Eiffel Tower guard. Uh, why were the robots after Frank and Casey anyway? Uh, convenient timing. Uh, everyone stands up in the wheat field at the end of the movie all at once, which is power, uh, kind of a powerful final image that I count as a positive. But how are all those people experiencing simulation at the same time? Wouldn't they all be getting their pins at different times? Uh, pacing. Uh, it's around the 49 minute mark. I assume I was getting close to the halfway point. It's not Till around oh, never mind. I was going to say it's around eighty-six minutes that we finally get to Tomorrowland. That's true. It does take a long time to get to Tomorrowland, yeah. <laughs> and then still, you feels like you still have a lot of movie left. I mean, it was yeah, yeah, it was a long movie. Andrew, we're gonna finish off with you today on the lightning round. Okay, uh, ready? Sure. And and go. Okay, so you know that feeling. 
when you hear Christmas music playing and it's September. That's how I feel. Kind of makes you happy, but it also makes disturbs you at the same time. Yeah, like you know, it's gonna get annoying the more you listen and watch it. But if they would have just done it a little bit better, it would have been great. Okay, time, and that's my nice. So now for our listeners, we're gonna each give our unique rating system on this movie. Ratings. And that way you'll kind of have a point of reference as to how he feels it compares to other movies. And then we'll finish off with our Wheel of Insanity. Insanity. Wheel of Insanity. Oh, insanity. Um, And yeah. So we always start with Andrew, mainly just because we don't ever know what we're going to get. And it's kind of fun to torture him and make him go first. I've got a good one for you. Okay. We're ready. Okay. All right. So I'm running for class president at my school. And if this movie, oh, really? Okay. This movie is just like one of the presidential candidates who sucks. <laughs> and that's not ah, to be that's mean. That's what I love. Honesty in politics. That's not to be mean, but... Um, Let's just say I bribed them to like leave the election. So it's great. Great. I don't wow, know how that rules. You you've definitely got a chance to be president. I mean I don't. You, you 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 basically have already slandered your opponent. Then you also bribed your <laughs> opponent to to get out of the race. There's not a lot much more I could teach you, son. Unless you get into so, you, you're uh, reminding me a lot of that. You're reminding me a lot of that scene from uh, one of my favorite movies. I know Dave doesn't like it. Election with Matthew Broderick, where where that one girl is running for election, and all the others have made their speeches and everything, and she just gets up and says, "Who cares about this <laughs> stupid election?" <laughs> you you sound like her. <laughs> so vote for me. Because I don't even want to go to college. And I don't care. And as president, I won't do anything. The only promise I will make is, if elected, I will immediately dismantle the student government. The only thing we have to teach you now is the Clinton politics. And if your opponent disappears, we know you've got it mastered. <laughs> What's the Clinton politics? dead of natural causes that... <laughs> In a park. Right after a meeting. Dave, did you go to another room? Yeah. Like he, he, no, he's I'm hiding under his desk. He's putting on his tenfold hat so the FBI doesn't get him. Uh, okay, I'm still here. So, yeah, I don't know how the president thing relates to the movie at all. I just thought it was worth sharing. Okay, well, well good luck with that. That's, that sounds pretty cool. All right, we're back. Thanks for bearing with us through some technical difficulties. Hopefully, that'll be pretty smooth in transition. They didn't have to wait. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll go ahead and give my rating for this movie. I always do mine on a 10-point scale. Um, I did think the message was great, and I thought overall this was still a fun movie to watch. I really, really wish that it went a little deeper. So, unfortunately, I can't give it any more than a... I will go 7.75. It doesn't really quite deserve an eight, but I can't give it a 7.5. It's just not the, you know, it's better than that. So it gets a 7.75 out of 10 for me. Um, It was good. There's a lot of good 
things that happened in this movie. And it is, like I said, it was fun to watch. I could watch it with the girls and, and they enjoyed watching it, but it, it could have been a lot better. And, and it could definitely have gone a little bit deeper into what we wanted out of this movie. So Todd, what you got for a rating for us? I'm kind of on the same wavelength. If you look at this movie as just a fun adventure, it fulfills that. The problem is the movie itself opens up this, this second theme, this, this greater ideal in, in this, in this important life lesson you're supposed to get out. It's like it's the movie's own fault for giving us something extra to complain about because overall this movie is still good. I, I do still like it. It's just, it kind of, it put something out there that it didn't quite follow up on quite enough. And I think it had the potential to be higher. In fact, the first time I, I watched this movie, I got a really good first impression because of the ending and the message and the lesson and stuff like that. And I actually originally gave this an A minus. I bumped it down to a B plus, but we didn't record as soon as we meant to. So I've had a few days to think about it. And then I keep thinking of more stuff and I'm like, wow, I really got to knock it down for this and this and this. And so it's gone all the way down to a B, which is still good, but the, the shine is kind of worn off of the movie. And also I did something a little bit different. I was kind of curious about all the movies that we've reviewed so far. We've actually reviewed 42 movies. Yeah. Uh, so far, yeah, this is episode 76. So this is our 42nd movie that we reviewed. And this one ranks 25th out of the 42. So it's it's still in that middle third, but also a little below the halfway point. Right. Dave, what you got for us? Well, it's not a waste of solenoid, but I'm not really sure it's an actual Saturday movie. Because like Todd said, the shine's kind of wore off of it. So I'm gonna. Ha- I'm, I'm actually gonna pull a page out of Andrew's ratings. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Haven't we been here long enough? <laughs> no. So I've been watching a lot of cooking shows lately. I don't know why I've been getting on this Gordon Ramsay kick, but I have. Where's the lamb sauce? And I've actually been watching like him, like doing the Hell's Kitchen thing, and 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 Kitchen Nightmares, which is kind of interesting. And are you always this pathetic? Uh, I've also been watching this thing on Disney Plus, where he goes around the world and like learns like all these different culinary things from different places of the planet. Which is actually a really good one about the Smoky Mountains. It takes place in North Carolina. It's really, it's actually really really cool, especially being from North Carolina. Um, to to for him to like learn some of the stuff about what what we we consider you know our culinary delights um and with that being said i've decided that i will give this movie three gordons out of five ramses it's what's the matter with you okay <laughs> okay all right it smells like fish it's strong it's slightly sour so yeah it's it's kind of there in the middle too it's a little it's, it's edging above the middle but yet eh, it doesn't quite get there i rest my case certified jerk yeah. okay it's to me, it's definitely a movie people should watch, but it's not one you're going to go back to again and again. I think that was the reason, like when we saw it originally, because I do remember us going and going to the movie theater and, and, and watching it and we had a good time. But usually if I have a real good time in a movie, I buy it or back in the day before like all the streaming services was, that's what I would do. I would wait till it came out on video and go, yeah, I want to own that. And I'd buy it. I never, I never had an inkling to buy this film. And, and, that, and so that kind of tells you, at least from my point of view right. about it. In other words, it was great to watch once, but once you've kind of seen it, 
you, you probably really wouldn't care to see it again. Well, I don't know, because I was kind of curious about it, too. You know, we, we talk about The Wheel of Insanity. Each of us put 15 movies on The Wheel of Insanity, and oddly enough, we didn't have any overlaps. We, we almost did. Uh, but I actually considered putting this on, on my list, and I kind of pulled back on that at the, at the last second. Uh, well, actually, no, Dave, I think your list came out first. And I was like, oh, he put it on there. Good. I don't have to put it on there. Right. But I was kind of tempted because I had kind of forgotten some of the movie. And I was just curious enough. I kind of wanted to see it again. But now I'm kind of glad that it was one on your list so that it didn't waste a slot on my list. Because even though it's still good, I don't know if I would say it was one of those 15 that I would want to put out there on the wheel. So, Dave, I would almost put this as not a Saturday movie. To me... This would be a Sunday evening movie. Do you remember when Disney would have its Sunday night movie? The Wonderful World of Disney? Wonderful World of Disney. This, it's worth sitting around with the family and watching sometime on a Sunday evening. Wonderful World of Disney. I missed Mutual of Omaha. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> Mutual of Omaha is Wild Kingdom. If you guys will bear with me, I, I do have a, a quick story, and I will, I will keep this very brief because I know we've already run long. A, a personal story about this movie. The first time I watched this movie, Leanne and I had uh, gone to the doctor. Um, she had uh, taken a pregnancy test and was pregnant. And so I had taken the day off to work. We went to the doctor, and we got bad news that the uh, the what ended up being kind of twins very early, you know, six to nine weeks. We you know, were at the first doctor's appointment um, had not developed and, and it was a miscarriage. And so we had the day off and we're kind of in a little bit of a state of shock not knowing what to do. And we went and watched this movie and it was right there kind of when we needed it. It was just an uplifting kind of, hey, not too deep kind of movie that took our minds off of things and kind of put us in a good train of thought for the for the rest of the day after we had gotten some bad news and just kind of took our mind off of things. And so that's kind of what this movie is. It's, it's a good, happy little Disney movie, but it's not too deep. Um, but it is it, those kind of movies, too, can can have more meaning when you get them at the right time. And this was a movie that hit us at the right time. And, and so I have to kind of tell that story because it was it was very meaningful to us when we watched it. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of always think back to that kind of sad day um, and some sad news. Uh, but you had to make it weird. Yeah, I did. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of where we're at. But that's part of, you know, what, what movies are for us. You know, they're they're things that we use sometimes to, to break stress. And and sometimes a movie just like this is all that you need. And yeah, so, we, when you put it in that perspective, I think that the ending having that uplifting moment was probably part of what helped you when yeah. you did see it that first time. So. For that kind of thing, I think this is a really good movie, kind of like what you're saying. It's just maybe it doesn't stand up to uh, podcasting scrutiny. <laughs> right. It's definitely not going to win a whole lot of awards. It's not going to blow people away. You know, I think it's right at about kind of that kind of halfway point even on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's, 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 it is what it is. But sometimes that's all you need out of a movie for that day. And so for that, I'm thankful for this movie. But as I rate it, you know, I stand by my my rating and and kind of our review of it. 
we would love to hear your impressions of this movie or tell us about any other movie that's had an impact on your life at a specific time. And you can do that by emailing us at discerninggeeks at gmail.com. You can post them on our Facebook page, the Discerning Geeks portal, or on Twitter at Discerning Geeks. We would love to hear your stories about specific, especially geeky films, you know, kind of, you know, something that you got at the right time or just any kind of information you want to share about this movie or other movies that have impacted your life. We would love to hear about it. Or answer our question of the week, which is, is Transformers and GoBots the same universe no. or is GoBots just the Kmart no. version of Transformers? <laughs> <laughs> the question of the week. You decide. And well, now, our, lines are, our lines are open. Todd? That's rather disparaging of Kmart. <laughs> Todd, it is time to spin the Wheel of Insanity and see what we're talking about next week. The Wheel of Insanity. Well, does anybody else want to spin it? Yeah, does somebody else want to spin it? Nah, go for it. Okay, you sure? Yeah, but we trust you. You're the one one that's got the list. Okay, 46. 46. Didn't we get 48 last week? That's confirmed. Mm, I don't remember. Where'd it go? Oh, crap. Wrong My brother's page. getting yelled at. 46. Oh, okay. Uh-uh. Uh, now, I don't know. We're going to have a little bit of a problem in that this is not available on streaming services, and that was a little bit of a challenge that we had for this movie. But it's another thing outside of science fiction and fantasy, and yes, it's one of my picks, but it is fun. The movie Tag... Ooh. The one about the guys? Playing yeah. the world's longest game, game of tag. tag. Right, because they started in like when they were, uh, what, you know, now, in their teens? Now, the good news is I think Dave owns this because I think I gave it to him one time for a present. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember. So we'll I've seen it though. We'll I have seen it. Borrow because, Dave's copy <laughs> because I remember how the guy at the end finally. Spoiler redacted. Uh, okay, no, I'm good with this. I like tag. Tag was good. It is technically available for streaming on Directv, which will help me because I never get around to canceling Directv. Uh, and it is available for rent on things <laughs> like Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, stuff like that. So for those that don't own it or don't have Directv, are you willing to rent it? Sure. Oh yeah. Okay, I just want to go to Dave's house again. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll invite Andrew over and he can watch it and entertain my kids while we. I don't know that we can watch that one with the kids. I was trying to remember. Seems like it had some adult elements. I don't even Uh, feel comfortable coming over to your house anymore. Josie was trying to kidnap me. Yeah. She was like, Yeah, but she's she's adorable. You live here. (laughs) Josie's adorable. You, You wouldn't mind getting kidnapped by her. That's true. That's true. And you know, I even redid the numbers to where I stacked the deck to where the um, the choices that we have that are actually available on streaming services are three times more likely to get rolled than the uh, the ones that aren't. And both this week and last week, the the wheel still picked something that we'd have to wrap. That's okay. We'll work Sorry around it. We're, we're inventive. We can we can make this happen. So yeah. So next week is tag. And we can all play tag throughout the week then, right? I wonder if they got to play tag during COVID. I mean, not it. 
No, okay, so my little brother is in like second grade when COVID hit, right? And he said they were playing tag and like when you got within like six feet of someone, you said like tag and then you just ran away. So you would just say the word. I was like, that's player. I see you, tag. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to wrap this up. We've run a little bit long. Um, but uh, hey, enjoyed the movie. Enjoyed discussing it with you even more. Love it when we can get together and, and talk, even if we're doing it through less than ideal services. <laughs> if anybody out there really wants to make some money, make a uh, recording place kind of like Zencaster that just doesn't glitch every time we try to record an episode and we would be happy. That's the feedback I would really love from our listeners. If we have any podcasters who are listening, what do you use? Do you use Zoom? Do you use the newer version of Zencaster? Because I admit we use Zencaster Classic. Um, we had reasons. We tried to switch to regular Zencaster at one time and it didn't work out. So we just went, went back and it continues to be free. So maybe that's part of the reason. Maybe we need to actually we started start with like Discord. And yeah, we've tried quite a few different ones and it seems like we've had issues with just about all of them. So. Don't we still use that sound effect from the Discord? Now recording. We do. The now recording. Now recording. Because that, that was, was a how cool we do. Sound. Now recording. But. Um, yeah so let's call this an episode guys um, we encourage all of you out there to make sure you're feeding the wolf that supports the light and hope and continue to do whatever makes you a discerning geek screw that be Darth Vader schooler that is correct <laughs> thank you for listening he's got a cape Yeah, girl, just sunshine, waves, nice scenery, if you know what I mean. I wish you could have come along. Thanks for covering for me. So, was that one geek podcast able to survive without me for a whole episode? Of course one of the Daves would make a crack about France. Good, I'm glad Matthew was there to speak up at that moment. Wow, you only had to say spoiler redacted one time, that's all? You didn't even bother using your echo voice? But, your echo voice is so hot. I mean professional. Okay, well thanks Amy. Amy, have I mentioned how glad I am that you and I have become friends since the outro of the Lord of the Rings two-parter? Oh, I have? That often? Hmm, okay. Well, I'll see you when I get back. Bye. No you hang up first. Oh, she did hang up. Hello Jorge, how long have you been standing there? I'm sorry to disturb you miss. That's okay, I was just on the phone with Amy. She was my idol for a while but now she's my friend. We're really close. I mean, we could be closer. She's beautiful. I mean British. Ooh, easy. Can I get you another drink, miss? Yes, but a different one and keep them coming. Something fruity or spicy or just surprise me. As long as it's strong and has a little umbrella in it. Miss, is this yours? It was almost in the sun. Perhaps it fell out of your towel. What is it? It looks like a recording device and it's running now. You've got to be kidding me. Those geeks couldn't do without me for one episode? They're actually recording me while I'm on vacation? And how did they get that in my towel? I have got to get a new agent. 